Well, welcome everyone to another Marketing Agility podcast. Today we've got a guest coming to us all the way from the Netherlands. Roland, have we had anyone from the Netherlands? Yeah, we're a global podcast, uh, Frank. That's true. And you know what's cool about this one? This was an inbound. You know how at the end of every podcast, I always make that impassioned plea to, hey, come to our website, fill it out. We'll have you on the podcast. Well, I've had a couple now. I know we've had a couple. And today's a really great one because it's a SaaS guy and a marketer. And I mistakenly said to Roland before the podcast, a technical guy, but he's not a technical guy. He's a marketer, which is great. And a digital one at that. His name is Ferdinand Goatson. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I'm sure he'll correct us when we dial him in. Yep. But uh, he's the head of growth at a company called Recruitee. But he's, um, as you said, had marketing roles at a number of other companies, including the Growth Tribe Academy, which presumably is about teaching other marketers how to run growth programs. With that, yeah, let's dial in. Well, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you very much. As a starting point, can you just share a little bit about your background and how you came to Agile? Long story short, I actually grew up in Hungary in Central Eastern Europe. And um, after living in Hungary, I moved to Scotland. And after that, I moved to Spain. And what this meant was that even though I was introduced to various forms of marketing and digital marketing and various disciplines within that quite a long time ago, some the, the concepts of agile and just generally any concepts surrounding working more efficiently just wasn't something that I was very familiar with. I just It's nothing that I ever came across. It wasn't something that was so common in the places where I'd worked. And then uh, a few years ago, I was recommended the Lean Startup by a former colleague of mine, and that introduced me to basically the, a whole new world that I hadn't really thought about before. And that was something completely new to me at the time. So this is maybe five, six years ago, maybe even a little less. And since then, I've just been really interested in how do you how do you build teams, how do you build processes that allow you to work as effectively and uh, flexibly as possible. So how did you take it from, hey, this is a cool book and really fascinating to actually doing it in practice and reality? Where I was at the time, I, of course, I had a basic understanding. I had a pretty good understanding of what marketing was. I understood uh, some of the core skills within digital marketing, and I did a lot of PPC, worked a lot with copywriting. Um, I'd done a lot of SEO and stuff like that. But I, I really hadn't dealt with anything even related to agile or even just lean methodology. And when I read it, it was just something that seemed so incredibly clear and obvious. Mm-hmm. And at, But at the same time, it was really obvious, but I had never even given it a thought. I had never even thought about how, how can we work more efficiently? How can we structure our teams and processes in a way to, that we can reach better results? How do we even just the idea of, I mean, I was to some extent data driven, but at the same time, there's a difference between knowing how to analyze data and use it. And at the same time, applying it to your team, to your processes, to experimentation. This was just something that even though it seemed very obvious, it was completely new to me, and I thought that was very exciting. So that's what really got me into the book. And then from there, I just started getting more into it. I read more about it. And then kind of naturally, as I progressed throughout my career, I started working for companies that uh, applied agile methodologies more rigorously, and uh, I got to learn a lot more. And then I started developing my own after that. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about that. I mean, I, I think it's uh, it's great to hear about Eric Ries, I think, inspiring you. I think he's a, he's inspired a lot of marketers. And um, although that book isn't, you know, just focused on the marketing discipline, I think many marketers read that book and wanted to take it into our discipline. So, so that's um, something that I've certainly heard in the past. And that book was an inspiration for me as well. So tell us a little bit about 
um, you said that you worked with some teams where they had um, they were using Agile already. So help us understand the practices that they had, how you engaged with them, and then how that's informed the teams that you're leading. The lead startup was just the door. And then once I kind of stepped, stepped a, a foot through that door, I started discovering all these different ideas. And then um, when I started working, I started working for a digital marketing agency in Spain where they were already applying some concepts of agile. So we we did have stand-ups, for example. We did have um, sprints. We did try to experiment a little bit, but it really was very, very improvised. It was very, very basic. And that was kind of good for me at the time because it allowed me to explore more of these ideas and I could read stuff and then I could come back and say, hey, let's try this. But it wasn't until afterwards when I moved to the Netherlands, I started working for an organization called Growth Tribe, which is, it's, uh, it's a growth hacking academy it's actually, I think, the first and biggest growth hacking academy in Europe. And there I was really int- introduced to the idea of, uh, first of all, working in sprints. So that made a really big difference. And just the entire concept of experimentation. And I'd read a lot of this stuff before, but there I actually really started to put it into practice. And I started to think about, okay, well, every single project, every single strategy that we want to, uh, that we want to pursue or that we want to consider, how can we best validate our assumptions? How can we make sure that everything that we do is well-founded in what is based on both soft and hard data, the right decision to make? And these processes are things that I started adopting more and more. On the one hand, I got to do it with the company I was working with, Growth Tribe at the time, but I also got to work with uh, hundreds of different companies and teach them how to apply these methodologies. And that's when I really started to learn the difference between what's written on paper, a lot of the theory, a lot of the literature, and what actually happens in practice when you work with different companies. Because I worked with companies that ranged from very small two, three person startups to really big corporates like ING Bank, one of the biggest banks in Europe. This was a really eye-opening experience because I got to try all of this stuff in a lot of different contexts, a lot of different industries with a lot of different teams. So it's a, a recurring conversation that Roland and I have. Roland and I have with people. We did just had it on a recent podcast where it was an executive from a, a good-sized software, public software company in the U.S. And you know, he was talking about they started in a very dogmatic way, in a very rigid, kind of by-the-book, agile, but every, every theory and every practice and every, you know, really ritual versus... Over time, they've found that they've had to relax some of that. I mean, can you give us a sense in, in your practice of Agile today, how close to, you know, quote, quote, unquote, perfect or quote, unquote, you know, by the book do you practice in your Agile? When I first started working at Recruity a few months ago, I started as a CMO head of growth. We were in a situation where this was something that was quite new building a whole department from scratch, building, uh, building an entire team. And we started it off kind of, kind of doing it a little bit by the book. Um, not any particular methodology, not one person's version, but we got inspired by various things that I'd experienced and that I tried out in the past. And we had quite a rigid process at the beginning. So it was very clear every two weeks we had a growth sprint. We are very clear on how do we organize our experiments? How do we predict how they might turn out? How do we set our minimum standards for success, for example? These sort of things. What data are we going to track? And it was all very, well, relatively strict at the beginning, because I think that process is something that needs to be strict at the start. And then when people start internalizing it, they start trusting each other, they start getting to know each other. You can actually deviate a little bit from what's on paper and you can start kind of, I don't want to say winging it because that sounds, uh, that's maybe too going too far, but you can start just taking it as it comes and adapting that to your own preferences and to your own working style. And that's really how it's been recently. 
we talk with very few marketers who do agile by the book anyways, right, Roland? One of the themes that we hear actually is that starting with a method that's too prescriptive can be pretty challenging for marketers who aren't acclimated to Agile or don't have product backgrounds or engineering backgrounds. It can be hard for them to onboard. I think one of our previous guests articulated really well when he said onboarding the process was actually getting in the way of getting to the values and principles that underlie Agile and getting in the way of getting to immediate value. So it is interesting to hear you speak to the fact that, you know, it sounds like you were pretty clear about adhering to a set of sort of rules around your implementation early. I'd be curious to just delve in a little bit deeper in terms of how prescriptive it is. Yeah, the way we did it at the start was that it was very templated. So it it was very clear that the meetings were planned in every two weeks. And they were very. They were, we we came up with a number of canvases, frameworks, and templates, which allowed us to, if for example we wanted to run a certain number of experiments, we had a very clear target of how many experiments we wanted to run per two per every two weeks. Yeah. And it was very clear how we would map those out. And there were some very. Uh, we were quite strict on saying things like what is our minimum standard of success, what is the data data that we're going to track, and how are we actually going to implement this over the next two weeks. And as we've done this for the last few months, we've actually become much more independent and we've moved away from this. So there wasn't any one methodology that we said that we had to implement, Mm -hmm. but we were quite strict with making sure that everyone is doing things the same way. And afterwards, when everyone understood the one unified way of doing things, they could then start adapting it in their own way. So, Frank, I think part of what I'm hearing here is that part of what is allowing them to be focused on this more sort of, as he said, templated process is the fact that that it's a narrower focus in terms of all of these things are focused around running tests and running experiments. Whereas I think some of the other guests we're talking to are trying to apply Agile in maybe a broader context, whether it's to communications, PR, even content programs and so on. Yes, absolutely. We have two processes. We have an experimental process and then we have what I call a project process. So the way I say see it is that we sometimes run experiments and I always say that one of the big things, one of the big problems I see is that you see a lot of companies that experiment for the sake of experimentation and they end up very often not scaling the things that work. Whereas we really place a lot of value on not only testing things that are scalable, but then actually scaling them. So we test a lot of things. Some of those things turn out to be successful experiments, and then we try to scale them, and then we turn them into what we call a project. This is something that it could be um, focused only on PR. It could be something that is very specific to, um, I don't know, um, paid advertising, for example, or building an automated funnel. These can be relatively long processes. So sometimes it starts with an experiment, or we scale it into a project, and sometimes we have an idea for a project where we then will try to validate the core assumptions of that project through experimentation. But those are the two processes that we follow. And uh, that's really where the main applications of Agile come into play. But if you start to think in about parallels to the software development world, you know, is, is your experiment somewhat analogous to a feature? That you know, you, at the end of two weeks, you deliver that feature, and that feature may be that, exper- that finished experiment? Actually, I would say that the project is more like a feature and the experiment okay. would be something along the lines of usability testing. So it would be something 
and and actually a project can be a feature in our case so we work very closely with a product team the overlap between product and growth even though we have our product team is actually not in the netherlands it's based in poland because our co-founder is based there we still work very closely together and there's a huge overlap between growth and product well what i was thinking was a little bit more like i was trying to make an analog you know a lot of times marketers have programs that run and you you've kind of broken out those things as well that you run a program that might be a launch of some variety that takes three to three to six months to get all the components of it rolled out. Yep. And there's not that really nice, neat, at the end of two weeks, we integrate all of our code and we you know, push, do a git push or whatever. You know, and if you're doing experiments that coincidentally you know, last two weeks long, at the end of the two weeks, you have finished your experiment. I'm, I'm breeding into this too much, but at the end of those two weeks, the experiment is done, you you analyze your results you and then you decide on your next experiment that that's exactly it except okay. for we don't we don't do one experiment at the at a time okay. we sometimes run up to 10 or 12 in two wow. weeks sometimes but the two it depends of course is, yeah the two-week window is the time band so you know yes. in an approach like this you're not a continuous flow this is actually at the end of two weeks it's this is a discrete box of work which has a beginning and an end and coincidentally is a two-week block of work Yes, exactly. You talked about running multiple experiments. I'm curious to what degree, uh, are you familiar with Sean Ellis's work and to what degree have you adopted his concept of high tempo testing? Yes, of course. Uh, I used to teach it actually. So um, that's where okay. I adopted a lot of, the, a lot of the, the ideas. I think that rapid experimentation, I always say that if rapid experimentation is the key to growth, scaling successes is vital. So we do try to adopt that as much as possible. We try to test very quickly we try. Uh, we really try to adhere by. I think it's Jeff Bezos who once said that you only need seventy percent of the information you wish you had in order to make a decision. And in more cases than not, you you will be able to make that decision effectively. So we we really place a lot of value on doing this quickly. Now, we are a startup, so we are in this kind of we're we're, we're always in the trenches. Things are changing rapidly. The landscape is changing rapidly. So there are. There are times where an experiment does take longer than two weeks and where we don't always stick to the speed that we would like. But I think on the whole, we do manage to do that quite successfully. Great. Can you tell us a little bit about the size of your organization today? Yeah, today we're just over 30 people. We have plans to be over 50 by the end of this year. Well, we have, or maybe this is uh, something that's quite unique to us, that we have the growth department. And within the growth department, we have the growth team. And the growth team is currently five people. And the team, the growth team is is the team that does the, comes up with strategy, comes up with experiment ideas, prioritizes these ideas, and then we have the extended uh, department, which includes a lot of executors, people who are mainly focused on execution. Some some of these have dual roles, so sometimes we have people who work on the product, but they're also part of the growth department in terms of ex- executing experiments. And sometimes we have people who are just solely focused on execution, for example, social media, and uh, some positions like that. And it's interesting being in a SaaS company, you know, you have that dual challenge of the product is actually your marketing. Yeah. So I guess that's it. And that's not an uncommon conversation I've had with people who have been in SaaS organizations. This, You have a lot of traffic. You have a lot of people coming through. It's a volume game. And, and five, three, five, ten percent improvements add up a bunch of those over the course of the year. And, oh, boy, you've really improved your performance. Absolutely. So how do you deal with the interface between 
the experiments and the projects, the programs, the longer term things, right? Because mm. there's stuff that I assume in your organization, not everything's an experiment, not everything can be done in two weeks. What's the, no. what's the interface between those two kind of models? It depends entirely on what the starting point is. So we will, for example, have, I don't know, it could be, for example, that one of our growth hackers says, let's test Bing ads. And um, they will test that over two weeks. We'll try to measure some results. We'll try to, and of course, in SaaS, we're a B2B SaaS company, which means that some of our paid users have had 80 to 100 touch points before they actually even decided to sign up or subscribe to to a paid plan. So it's very difficult to test, and data attribution is always a challenge. Um, But then we'll look at the soft indicators. We'll see, is this something that's worth pursuing? And then we'll scale that into a larger project. So we'll then say, okay, well, Bing Ads kind of worked based on what we're doing that's similar to this. So Bing Ads is easy because if we're already running AdWords campaigns, we can then try and emulate what we've seen works on AdWords and see if that works. And then we'll scale that into a bigger project. But then it does work the other way around as well. So, for example, we decided we wanted to build somewhat of a content funnel. And we then realized that this would be a two to three month project, making sure that we segment users accurately, that we're sharing the right content with the right people and the right through the right channels. And that's when we actually start with the project. We outline all of the different tasks, all of the different steps that are required to complete that project. And then every task is allocated to someone in the team. And one of the ways in which we've made this more flexible is that for any experiment or and many of these tasks might actually be an experiment where we're trying to validate a core assumption of this bigger project. But one of the things we changed is that nowadays every task is owned, so in quotation marks, owned by someone in the team. And that doesn't mean they need to execute. That just means that they need to make sure it gets done, whether they do it themselves, whether they coordinate with other people who have the skills they need in order to reach those goals. They just own it. They make sure it gets done by a certain point in time. So I'm curious to drill down a little bit deeper into how, for example, your team would work with a content marketing team. Let's say that the content marketing team is, you know, some of their objectives are, one, drive more awareness in the marketplace for your solutions, right, and use content to do that. Two, make sure that you're positioned kind of in an appropriate way and relative to your competitive set, right? And three, maybe to develop high-value assets that are going to help qualify users um, through your website to potentially, you know, qualify them for a sales organization, okay? That team is going to be focused on, you know, they're going to have a, a content plan, they're going to have a content hierarchy, they're going to be taking guides and breaking them down into blog posts. And those things, that content presumably might get amplified with advertising. I'm just curious to understand, like, where where are the connection points between, is there a leader who's focusing or driving that content marketing effort? And what are the connection points between your organization and that organization? Yes, well, we try to do everything internally. So um, if, we, if we have a content team within the, within the organization, within the company, what we'll do is, is that there'll be a head of that team, the head of content, and the head of content will sit on the growth team. So when we're trying, we don't, we don't do experiments at random. We usually look at the metrics. We try to look at what can we currently improve, what is most worth improving. This is one of the things where things like data science and machine learning are going to become really exciting in marketing because you'll be able to predict even more accurately and make even better decisions on which metrics you're going to have to try and uh, chase. Based on the the goals that we set, the head of content will then come up with ideas that will, with the goal of improving those metrics from her perspective, from her team's Mm -hmm. perspective. And then she will own 
these ideas. So whether it's an experiment or a project, she will own the experiment or she will own the tasks. And then she will then coordinate that amongst her team. And very often, ideally, every single sprint that we have is very well prepared. So in this context, our head of content would sit down with her team first, come up with a number of ideas, bring those to the growth meeting. The growth meeting, we will then talk about the entire context, the priorities, what we really need to focus on, the overall strategy, the vision, forecast for the quarter. And then she's going to propose those ideas. If we then prioritize them, we realize that they are worth pursuing, then she will bring them back to her team and she will make sure it gets done. Do you describe this growth team? Is this a virtual team of different groups or is this, I'm just trying to understand, is, is this essentially the marketing function within the company? Well, we have the marketing function, we have the marketing department and the department is the entire department. It encompasses everyone who contributes to marketing. The growth team is a team that is focused particularly on the strategy and the ideation. Um, phase. So it's really about coming up with the projects, organizing those projects, coming up. It's almost a, a strategic gathering of the heads of these various um, micro departments within growth. But it's also because I view growth as something that is a full funnel discipline. So we, we focus all the way through down to activation retention. We try to make sure that we also work very closely with the product. And in that sense, the growth team is a real team with real people, and it's always the same people. It's a, it's a, it's a deterrent team. We then also have what um, might be best described as guilds, which are these fluctuating teams. They're more virtual, and they're usually based on certain topics. Uh, one example would be we have a, a German market team because breaking into the German market is very challenging for certain types of companies simply because of the culture towards buying and subscribing to products is very different. Getting your foot in the door is very difficult in Germany, but retention, for example, is much easier. So we have then a, a more virtual team, which would then be all the people who are experienced with the German market, including salespeople, success people, support people, and we will then meet and discuss those markets in particular. So it's something like okay, that. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I it, we've... we've talked a bunch about the Spotify model. It sounds, part of what you're describing sort of reminds me. Yeah, of, yeah, it's inspired from that. So what is your pain? I mean, what among these models gives you the greatest challenge? I think right now the biggest challenge is simply that we are now in the phase where we're, we're transitioning from a startup towards being a scale-up, and we're growing really, really quickly at the moment. We're looking at 10% monthly growth, and simply we don't have enough people at the moment. That's my biggest challenge, which is I would love for us to have a more, I don't know how to explain it. So every company goes through these phases where you'll sometimes go two, three months with very few hires, and then you have two, three months with a lot of hires. And right. we're currently in that phase where there's a lot of new people joining the team. So the marketing department, we're seven, eight people, we're going to be uh, over 12 by the end of the year. And I feel that with every person that comes, I need to restructure things a little bit. I need to reorganize things a little bit. And I think that once we actually reach that stage where we're going to say, okay, the team's not going to change that much for the next few months, we're actually going to be able to do a lot of this much more consistently. We're going to be able to meet deadlines better. We're going to be able to organize this in a much cleaner manner as well. So when you're bringing on these new people, do you, as a part of your interviewing process, you know, look at the, the candidates for their agility? You know, look at their for their abil ability to maybe operate in an environment that's a little less structured, a little more you know adaptive. I think the most important thing is that, and this is something that I talk to people a lot about, which is 
you can find a lot of literature and theory and a lot of groundwork has been laid uh, in terms of the, the practical, practical application of agile methodologies. Mm-hmm. But for me, first and foremost, it's a mindset. Right. And the thing that ties Sean Ellis together with the Lean Startup together with Agile, which they're not the same thing, of course, but it, it's that mindset. And I do look for that mindset. So I don't I don't expect the people who I'm trying to hire to, to have, they don't even necessarily have to have experience with Agile processes, but they do need to have the right mindset. They need to have flexibility. They need to understand right. that some process is good, but too much process is not good. All, all these sort of things. These are the things that I look out for, mainly the mindset of the personality. Well, Ferdinand, I hope that maybe we can catch up with you later in this year, early next year, and see how things are, how things are growing for your business. It sounds like Absolutely. things are going quite well. I think we could have a whole other conversation about what it is that you're doing as you're onboarding these new people. Yeah. So as you get better at that and go through your next phase of growth, uh, you know, we'd, we'd love to zero in on, on that topic. Absolutely. I'd love to talk about it. Great. And a reminder to our listeners, you can find the Marketing Agility podcast on iTunes as well as on agilemarketingblog.com. If you happen to stop by the, the blog, you'll find that form, you know, the one that Ferdinand just filled out to, to join the conversation with us. You too can be on the podcast if you're interested. Tell your story of greatness. Ferdinand, thank you again for joining us today. And please, everyone out there, stay out. Thank you very much.